0: Hello, and welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I'm Danny Simmons. And I'm Kurt Norbit. And we're at Samson Part 3. We finally made it. This is the third and final episode for the life of Samson. And one of the things that we had done when we started was we were were talking about the complication of Samson, this character. He's a judge over Israel. God has chosen him, even from his birth. And yet he's such a strange character in his behavior, the decisions he makes, uh, very impulsive. He, he reacts to things in, in such a strange way, in such a dramatic way so many times. But what, what we need to remember as we're looking at Samson, as we finish out today, is that the Lord's told us in Romans 15 and verse 4, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And so there's there's something here for us to learn. That, that is clear by Romans 15 and verse 4. We can also see as we look at Samson that the warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. I see Samson all over that verse. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We should be fully reliant on God. And, and we watch Samson's struggles and the issues that he faces in his life and in his women. Uh, that is the heart of and soul of of everything that brings trouble in his life as we've watched him so far. And James tells us, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived my beloved brethren. And so the words there, enticed, are used for us. And we're going to see that in Samson's life today. Uh, His life is recorded, Judges 14, 15, and 16. Kurt and I have tried our very best to describe him and and his character and and who he is and and what we see when we watch this man in the way he behaves. Uh, We've called him several things, haven't we, Kurt? We've called him an oddball, (laughs) uh, a loner, a strange man. We've said the word strange over and over again. Uh, one who is enticed by women. That's clear, um, to the point where I think he just uh,
1: doesn't really even think straight when he's around a woman that he's infatuated with. And we'll see that here with Delilah. We've seen it in the past. And I've been thinking since we've been studying Samson, trying to kind of come up with an explanation for his behavior, and the way he is, I think, as you mentioned, since a lot of what the Old Testament stories are given to us as examples, we can look at Samson and see what not to do, how not to behave, because he behaves in ways, he makes decisions that, in this chapter we'll see, bring disaster on himself. But we also see... Uh, ultimately, that he put his trust in the Lord, which is something we should do. But I think I decided I'm just not going to dwell on trying to explain the personality of Samson. Because we're not told why he did what he did. We're just, he just did this, and here's what happened. And then, okay, and, and then he went and did that, and there's what happened. His character is not explained in detail for us. What we are told in the New Testament in Hebrews eleven is that he's one of the great faithful up there with Jephthah as a judge. Uh, so that I, I accept that that's what's that's God's evaluation of him in in finality. No matter what I do trying to figure out his character, that's where I have to wind up. God accounted him as one of the great examples of faith, and so that's how I need to look at him and ask myself, okay, what what can I learn
0: about a great faith from Samson? That's right. That's exactly right. And we're going to do our best to do that. You, You said that very well. Samson part three finds us in the final chapter of Samson's life. That is Judges chapter 16. You may remember with us that Judges 15 ended in verse 20 by telling us that Samson judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Judges 16 and verse 1, Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. So here we have Samson now has gone down to Gaza. He has gone into a harlot, says that he, he went into her, and the enemy is aware of it. Samson, as we've tried to evaluate some of these things, in this moment, he is in compromise. Uh, when we compromise, we leave room for the enemy. When we compromise, we are weakened spiritually. That is always true, and we can't deceive ourselves about that. When we compromise the living word of God, we are weakened spiritually. And, and something else interesting is that the enemy is watching him. Just just the same with us. Mm-hmm. The, the devil knows when we're compromising. Uh, he can't make us do anything, but he can sure gather information, can he? Oh um, yeah. Uh, every time we read about him uh, in Job,
1: twice God asks him, "Where do you come from?" And he says, "From, from moving up and down on the earth and traveling to and fro." And Peter says he, he prowls about as a roaring lion seeking its prey. So that's what he does. He's looking for game. He's looking for prey. He looks at people, to, especially, I think, the godly. He doesn't have to worry about those who have given their lives to sin. He's got them. So he'll focus on those trying to live for Christ Mm -hmm. and observe them and find out what makes us tick because, in contrast to God, Satan cannot know our hearts. Uh, God can. He's the only one who can. So Satan has to watch us and learn about us and it doesn't take him long to figure out here's where I can get this guy, yeah, or this gal. And uh, that, that, there's a weakness there I can take advantage of. And he saw it in Samson. Uh, Samson has this continuing infatuation with Philistine women for some reason. So here he is down in Gaza, and as you said, that he allows this infatuation to put him in a in a compromised and dangerous position.
0: Yeah, the enemy's watching him, and there's there's a strong spiritual case to be made for the lives that we live today. Uh, they know where he is, they know who he is, and it, we talked about it before. But he judged Israel for twenty years. This is the tail end of that. Obviously, we're we're getting right to the very end of his life, and so his hair again. If, if he's if he's remained faithful, at least then that under the Nazarite vow, uh, his hair is just even longer and longer still. So he is an it's noticeable. When Samson walks into a, a room or an area, you, you know that's him. And I, we we don't know his physical size, but the strength he's about to display is amazing. It's, it says, okay, we have, we have the Gazites waiting to kill him. They're waiting through the night. It says in verse 3, Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, and the two gateposts pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. This is hard to imagine for for me. He took the gates of the city. This is Gaza. You know, this is a major Philistine city. It's one of the five major cities, the Philistines. This is a sizable gate. There's no doubt about it. He took the gates, the two gate posts that hold the gates, and he pulled them out of the ground. It says bar and all. So the bar is the piece that goes across the two gates that seals it shut to protect the city. He has pulled all of this out of the ground. He attaches it to his shoulders somehow, and he carries them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron.
1: Yeah, and I I was kind of under the impression during the week that he carried these gates all the way to Hebron, Hmm. which is a 37-mile little walk (laughs) in the darkness of night. But it just says he carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. He still might have carried them a long way. Here's a hill that's known for facing Hebron. So maybe when you get to the top of it, you can see the town. I don't know.
0: Yes, if you're 40 miles away, you got to get to that hill. Yeah, but he, closer to he's Hebron. carrying the,
1: <laughs> And we were speculating how much this whole assembly would weigh. <laughs> You've got doorposts the doors themselves which would be massive the bar of iron that's across it which would be a pretty stout bar to make sure you know this is designed to withstand attack that's right the the gate the main gate of a city was a weak point in the wall so they they made the gate as strong as they could uh, and def, you know put all kinds of defenses around it towers and what have you because that's where the enemy's going to come to try to get in and he just Oh, I like this gate.
0: I think he'll take it
1: with me. Rips it out of the ground and leaves <laughs> town.
0: Oh. Boy. And these guys are waiting for him to come to come out of the house. He grabs hold of this gate. And I, you know, at some point they say, nope. Yep. Or they look at each other and go, all right, this was your idea. You go get <laughs> yeah, it. <And> yeah, <laughs> you go first. <laughs> nope, I am not. You, know, you with, can go now. The display of strength here is amazing. And, and by the way, this is the mm-hmm. first time we see him show his strength and there's no mention of the, of the Spirit. Oh, that's true. It does not come that's mightily true. upon him here. It, yeah. it will another time, but not here. Samson, man, he's just such an interesting character. The spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him four times, Samson. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that is he's not the only judge to have that said about him. Jephthah, um, there's another one. and I'm, It's escaping me. I don't want to get that wrong. There's, there's a couple, two, maybe three other guys who have it. But each one, it only says it once. Hmm. Samson gets it four times and, it, you know, just, it just drives more curiosity in me. Like what in the world, the spirit of the Lord is so intimately involved in his life and helping him do the work that it's clearly God is doing. Yeah. And, and yet spiritually so far removed in, in what we can see now he judged Israel. how did he do that? We have no case where the people came to him, you know, with Deborah, it says that she sat under the tree of Deborah mm-hmm. and all of Israel came to be judged. Well, that makes sense to us. We need to we need to see that to understand. We don't see him passing any judgment on anybody, and yet he is a judge. So, in some way,
1: well, uh, my understanding of the judges is at times like Deborah, that they performed that role. They judged cases in Israel, but it seems to me the emphasis, as a judge was as a deliverer deliverer yeah you're right um and so in the sense you know being called a judge might be in the sense that god was using them to judge whatever oppressor was over israel
0: at that time that god was going to use that judge to deliver the people from yeah and remember with us we just read verse three he just stole their gate and carried it a long way I was thinking about telling, you know, our listeners that this isn't the gate on the fence in your backyard. Oh, no. But even if it was, I'm not sure I can carry my own gate. You know, it's it's not much more wide than my physical frame. But you take that up off of the hinges with the wood, the crosswood and all that's used to secure that gate and make it stronger than the rest of the fence. That thing's heavy, too. And it ain't nothing compared to what he just pulled out of here. And I'll tell you something else. When th- There's a property I go to from time to time, and it's got a cattle gate on it. You know what that is? Just a thin, uh-huh. thin sheet metal. Um, there's really nothing to it. But it's super long because you got to get trailers in and out. And so that thing's come off the hinges a couple of times. Uh-oh. And if if I'm by myself, I can't get it back on the hinges. Mm. And it's a cattle gate. This is a city gate for yep. protection. And, and it has to endure defense. battles. So it just – it's. It's hard to explain and for us to fully understand the strength that he has just displayed for all of us, but but it is really amazing. And so he drags this gate off toward Hebron, drops it off somewhere, and it says in verse four, afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, entice him and find out where his great strength lies. And by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. We're told now, finally, for the first time, that Samson loved a woman in the Valley of Sorek, and her name was Delilah. And really, Samson and Delilah. Her name is eternally connected to his name. That's just how you say it. It's Samson and Delilah. They even Um, made a movie about it. Yes, they sure did. And they need to make another one because this could be, man. (laughs) So the, the lords of the Philistines come to her. Again, the enemy's watching. He sees you in compromise and he says, here's how we're going to do this. They go to her and they say, entice him. He is in love with you. You can entice him so he will tell you the truth. You are the key to all of this. Proverbs 1 and verse 10 says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not go with them. And this is exactly what's happening. She is being enticed so that she can entice him. Mm-hmm. The, the deal is every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So there's five lords of the Philistines. That's 5,500 pieces of silver. That's they've, a tidy sum back oh, then. Oh, they've offered her a lot of money. Yep. And so now we know what her snare is. Yeah. And we see how diligently she goes about
1: her plan. Uh, as happened to him before, she just keeps pestering him till she finds out what the truth is about his strength.
0: She's she's after that money. That's right. And it is obvious because the very next verse, after the money is mentioned, it says, So Delilah said to Samson, <laughs> please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. Come again?
1: Yeah. You'd think Samson would go, say what? Why are you asking me that? <laughs> say that again slower, please. Yeah. But instead, he starts playing games with her on this. Exactly. Which now... Instead of doing what Proverbs talked about, don't, don't get involved in sin when there's an enticement there. Instead of rebuking this and fleeing from it, he's going to have a little fun with Delilah.
0: And she's not going to give up. Yeah, and I, you know, again, I try to work out where he is and what he's thinking about because this doesn't make sense. If anyone, especially my wife, said, hey, how can I bind you and afflict you, like cause great pain to come upon you, uh, what would be the best way for me to go about doing that? I'd say, <laughs> man, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> I'm, not, I don't to, I'm not laying in bed next to you tonight, that's for sure. You want to know how to afflict me yeah. and bind me? That that. So that's insane. But what we see here with Samson, again, there's a warning for us. We're trying to be faithful to the Lord, or at least we should be. But he has authority and no accountability as far as he knows. He's done this before. He's slept with women before. He's chased whoever he wanted. The first one in Philistia pleased him well. And so he demanded his parents do all these things to get her. And he's going in to see harlots in uh, enemy territory. No one's ever been able to stop him. He does whatever he wants. And so since that's never been challenged from what we can tell, what does it matter? If he tells her, it's okay if he plays around with it. And that's exactly how Satan works with us. You know, the Bible says, don't drink, do not be intoxicated. And you say, well, what about, what about two beers? Mm. And so if you, if, if you say, I'll I'll drink two beers and see, you're not drunk. You know, we can have a discussion about that. But when you give the enemy the two, the enemy takes it. And, and now you're going somewhere, yeah. but, but you, you're going to wake up the next day and you're going to say, well, I don't feel great, but that wasn't so bad. Mm. Nothing's yeah, changed no in my danger life. You're there. I can still go to church. Yeah. There's, there's no problem. And so what happens? You take one more and the enemy gladly hands it to you. Mm-hmm. So it, the process is always the same with lust, you know, desire, all the things that we could possibly mention. Sin entices us. And so we have to see it that way because it's shown to us so clearly here. So Samson's going to respond to her. I, you know, my response to her was, come again. Uh, she says, I want to bind you and afflict you. How do I do that? Verse 7, Samson said to her, if they bind me, that's interesting, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. He says to her, now he's playing with this, obviously, but he says to her, You take seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, you know, very specific. Then I shall become weak and be like any other man he knows something about himself his strength that if i'll give if if this happens to me then i'll be like any other man which means he can be overtaken by two guys yeah you know much less a thousand and he seems to recognize that and yet even in speaking this truth i can become like any other man in some way he's lying to her he's he's messing with her right now And so she goes through this process and tries it, even brings men in to lie secretly in the room to pounce on him. The bowstrings pop like firecrackers, and I'm sure they just stayed in their hiding places. That doesn't tell us. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't say there was a confrontation or anything. No, I'm sure they did not make themselves known because that did not work clearly. So in verse 10, Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, if they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So he says it again. Therefore, Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them, and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. So still, yeah, same scenario. And he's, he's.
1: The the only thing I can come to as a conclusion in this is what you mentioned earlier. He just doesn't think that he's in danger, obviously. He keeps messing around with Delilah. She keeps, you would think, why are you tying me up in the way that I just told you I can lose my strength? Exactly. Come on. Uh, You know, you'd think there's something up here. But I think it, the only thing I can think of is one is infatuation with her, has blinded him. You know, strong emotion will, will cloud your ability to reason. I've often said that. And he just doesn't feel threatened. You know, I'll still have my strength. Whatever happens, I can deal with it. And he doesn't see the danger that's growing here. And we see that in this next little uh, charade. The next time she asks him, yeah, He's, and I, I, right? now he starts dealing with his hair. That's right. He brings attention to his hair. So now we're getting, like you mentioned, two's not so bad. I, I can handle three. Here he is getting closer to what really is dangerous. If his hair is cut, his vow is over. That's right. It's violated,
0: and he loses his relationship with the Lord so that which is sacred is being treated as common which you know we're warned about that in the new mm, testament yeah we, we're we are sacred if if we're the elect and chosen by god and washed uh, and blessed by god spiritually to to inherit eternal life that we have to we have to be on guard and watch carefully over the things that are sacred that god calls sacred and he's he's so comfortable now he's going to start flirting with the very thing as you said that has given him his strength and, and keeps that Nazarite vow intact, apparently. Um, Delilah says to him in verse 13, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom, <laughs>
1: yeah, just, well that didn't work so yeah I, you'd think that would kind of hurt and I was often thinking even asleep how could he not notice her messing with his hair Yeah, but he's been a Nazarite from birth so his hair's never been cut so she could be three or four feet away from him working on the towards the end of his hair and he would most likely not notice what was going on if he's asleep. That's very true. But he still doesn't get the clue that... <laughs> I think Delilah's after me for some reason. She's got something going.
0: Yeah. He's got this thing woven in, his hair's woven into this loom. He jumps up and just like the whole thing breaks apart. He's you know, carrying the gates away from the city. Now he's got this loom tied to the back of his head. and seems to just walk away with it. Uh, this is what... This is where the phrase bad hair day started. Must be. Yeah, yeah. I think that's
1: in a footnote in my
0: Bible. Probably because that's (laughs) that's solid um, (laughs) since I said it. Yes, thank you, Danny. You're welcome. Verse 15, I'm gonna read here several verses uh, and we'll, we'll back up and look at it. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass, when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all of his heart and said to her, No razor is ever upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And now he is clearly telling her the truth. Mm -hmm. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. There it is again. When Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all of his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. So she has said to him multiple times, you know, you keep saying you love me. And love doesn't keep secrets. If you loved me, you would tell me, I think, you know, the Bible doesn't give us every back and forth that they had or how long it took. So Mm -hmm. I think she's more subtle. We're given the bottom line of what she's requesting from him. But, you know, she could be smoother about this just by saying, look, honey, if, if I understand what keeps you strong, then I can help you protect that very thing. But since you're the only one who knows that you have no help, you have no assistance in guarding that which which gives you rest- your strength you know we don't know that but it just it blows our mind to watch him go through these three different things that he gave to her here's how I can be weak and she does all three to see if it's true or not I, I, that's why i think he is you know he's sanctified he's set apart under this vow and yet he doesn't he doesn't feel or sense his accountability to god hmm. in in the great blessing that God has given to him. We've seen him cry out to God and pray to the Lord. So there's a relationship there, but man, it's just really, really hard to process.
1: And what gets me too in this is he tolerates her just bugging him every day, as it says in verse 16, uh, about this subject. She just keeps bringing it up. And instead of saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing this, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Uh, Obviously, I'm reluctant to tell you, just quit, keep bringing it up. Exactly. But she's, of course, she's got 5,500 pieces of silver waiting in the wings over there. That's right. She's Uh, not going to stop. Yeah, so she's, she's on him until he finally says, okay, enough.
0: Here's the deal. And his vow is broken. He turned over that which was sacred in his life. You know, for me, that final one, I'd say, okay, honey, here's what you got to do. Get into a four-story building, jump out the window, and land on your head. I will lose my strength. You think she would have done it? (laughs) Probably not. Of course not. She don't get any silver. It's all about, you know, what happens to me or if this happens to me.
1: Yeah, I don't think she would have been real anxious to try that one out. Uh, she wouldn't have been able to say the Philistines are upon you, Samson. <laughs> but, uh, you know, here in, in, in all seriousness, he he must have been a deep sleeper because he, he doesn't realize his hair is being shaved off. I think he would have, if he had awakened, he would have reacted to that because he obviously, he's aware of his relationship to God. He says, I've been a Nazarite uh, from my birth. Uh, so, you know, no razor's ever come on my head. But now it's happened, and God has left him. But as he's now in prison, the, the Philistines finally have him. They've they've got their guy, and they're going to take advantage of it, but the suspense is
0: there because his hair is growing back. Yeah, that's right. This, this table's going to turn here in a minute. He said to himself, I will get up as at other times mm-hmm. and and you know, free myself. I can do whatever I want. We have to know that he he knows his hair's gone. He's woken up every day of his life with a full head of hair that has has some weight to it and you know has a lot to deal with. He he gets up and his hair is gone. And he still says to himself, It'll be like other times. And that shows us again you know the, uh, the the accountability is just not there, and what what the Lord's going to do here, as I've watched this unfold, is accountability is now applied. He is accountable. Yeah, he's been humbled, and, and he's humbled by it, and that's important for spiritual growth. And what we're going to notice that now he's grinding in this grindhouse. He he's 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 tied to or connected to some kind of a grinding mill. He's probably walking around in circles and and turning the top millstone over the bottom one, grinding out grain or whatever they're having him do. and he's blind and yet, having lost his physical sight, he now sees more clearly, maybe than he ever has in his life about accountability, his responsibility to God, uh, his failures. And you know, the time that he would have to recount the great victories that he had, what what great strength he had, the things the lion, the thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey, the the thirty companions at his at his wedding. I mean, that, that had to have haunted him, but this terrible, difficult time is the very thing that brings clarity. And I, I hate that that's true. I wish he could see these things with his eyes, but so many of us have to succumb to some terrible thing before we say, okay, Lord, I, you know, if I would have followed you from the beginning, things would have been better. And, And now here I am with this issue or this plague, but God even here with Samson he gives us time as long as we're breathing to yep. turn it around to repent chance. to do what's right.
1: yeah that's uh, that's really the heart of the parable of the prodigal son. yeah God allowed him to make his choices. He made some bad ones and he wound up wound up in the pig pen feeding pigs, wishing he could eat what they're eating. Uh, things were so bad. but it's at that point that Jesus says when he came to himself, that's right. He said, "My my father's servants have plenty to eat. I'll go back and and repent, and beg forgiveness, and just be a servant."
0: And it means he came to his senses when he came yep. to himself. And
1: that's that's the thing. Sometimes you have to go down into the pit somewhere. You you need to suffer the consequences of a poor choice, in order to have your eyes open. To kind of reality slaps you awake a little bit. And you realize, hey, this is on me. I've blown it, and I need to make it right, yeah, in any way I can. And as you say, here he is. It's going to take a while for his hair to grow back, and so day after day, as he's pushing this millstone around, he's thinking, "How did I get in this place? I try. How did this wind up? I'm, I was strong, and now I'm nothing. I'm a slave grinding." Flower for the Philistines, yeah, but it interests me too. Here's another example of God using weakness, using circumstances that
0: we don't see any hope in to accomplish His will. That's right. That's who God is. Mm -hmm. We've mentioned over and over again this this particular show that the enemy is watching him. The enemy is planning and plotting and trying to come up with ways to to entice him and finally take him over. And in the enemy has, has now had their way. You know, the verse 21, is just heartbreaking. They took him, they put out his eyes. That's literally, they, they bore out his eyes. Yeah. They brought him down to Gaza, bound him with bronze fetters. They're doing whatever they want to him. And he's powerless to stop them. He became a grinder in the prison in verse 22, a beautiful word. However, Mm -hmm. the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened, when their hearts were merry, that they called for Samson, that, they may perform, for that he may perform for us, So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple, so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. He's been brought into this party, a Philistine party, intentionally so that they can make sport of him, make fun of him, uh, make him do silly things. Whatever they tell him to do, he has to do. And there's this very interesting picture of a young lad who has been chosen to lead him. And he he says to the boy, please. uh, He says, I pray thee in in the King James, I pray thee. Uh, bring me to the pillars that I may rest myself upon them. Um, again, you know, just with that that clarity, he can hear now probably more than ever before in his performances or whatever they've asked or demanded him to do, this, the, the house is packed. And he has an opportunity here.
1: Yeah, and this is going to be the first Dagon lesson for the Philistines, I guess. <laughs> uh this is all motivated that you know in their idolatrous viewpoint we finally got Samson because our god Dagon favored us in this he's he's given us our enemy so we're going to have a party for him uh we we see this again in 1 Samuel they when God allows the ark to be captured by the Philistines they bring and place it before the idol of Dagon and uh God shows them how strong their God really is. Uh, But it seems like Samson is now aware that he needs God. He finally calls out sincerely to God without complaint. The other time we see him doing it, he said, you gave me this great victory and now you're going to let me die of thirst? But this time it's a plea to God for his help, um, and it's been long enough that his hair has grown out again, and so God God heeds His request.
0: He does in verse twenty eight Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, "O Lord, God, remember me, I pray, strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may be with, with, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes." He cries out to the Lord here in verse 28, and he says, O Lord God, O Jehovah, that's the covenant God. And then God on uh, uh, next to that is uh, Elohim, Adonai. He's crying out to God in such a marvelous and beautiful way. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. He knows this is it if God does it for him that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right hand and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it, that he killed at, th- at his death were more than he had killed in his life. He starts to push on these pillars and, and crying out to the Lord, be with me this one time. Let me wipe this people out. And they are in the house of Dagon. Mm-hmm. You know, the Lord, this is an opportunity for yeah, him to just, really shine. Yeah. And so in this in this request, we God obviously acknowledges the request and, and obliges, gives him the strength. And just imagine everyone's partying and screaming and telling jokes about Samson or whatever's happening where they make fun of him. And you start to hear a crack and a a crumbling. You know, the the pillars are starting to move. It does start coming up down from the ceiling. 3,000 people on the roof of this thing. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the floor starts moving out from under your feet. Oh, what a terrible feeling. Yep, you're helpless. This is the culmination
1: of God's will for Samson. Because now the, the people of Israel have been delivered from the oppression of the Philistines because... It specifically states the five lords of the Philistines were there in the temple. Oh, yeah, they're going to have to rebuild everything. So now their leadership uh, is gone. The temple of their god is gone. So the Philistines uh, are going to be demoralized and
0: uh, not too eager to be doing anything but rebuilding their land. Yeah, and I think we see that because the last verse of the chapter says that his brothers and all of his father's household came down. And took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the tomb of his father, Manoah. Mm-hmm. He had judged Israel 20 years. So the family shows up at this what used to be a temple, yeah, and probably. they're digging around looking for Samson. And they're, the Philistines either give them permission or they're just like they've abandoned the city. I don't know. But they can come in and find his body and bring him back. So it goes to what you're saying. Their focus is now on, not, not on oppressing the Israelites, but on rebuilding yeah, and it's so, in this,
1: what we consider a strange way with this individual, this enigmatic individual that it's difficult for us to understand, God has accomplished his will. You know, if you look at Samson, if if you didn't know that God had a plan for him, that God was going to use him, he was he was going to provide opportunities to stir up trouble with the Philistines because that was God's intention in order to free Israel. So it, it shows us there's really no way that we can figure out in the moment what God is doing or how he's doing it. And so sometimes we'll complain, why is this happening to me? Right. Um, Samson could have done that. Why am I in this dungeon? Well, he knew why. It, it was really his fault. He had made a choice, and now he's suffering the consequences. But we just need to trust in God that even though it doesn't seem like things are working out real well, God's will is going to be accomplished. And it's our position to just sit back and let him work it out and accept whatever's going on, do the best
0: we can, and God will deliver us. That's exactly right. Don't complain. Uh, look for ways, always, whether you have everything around you that you'd ever wanted or, or you've been stripped of everything that you ever needed. Um, look for ways to glorify God in your life. And, and, and there's always opportunity to do that. Like we said, as long as you're breathing, there are always opportunities to do that. Uh, we have trivia questions now that we've concluded the life of Samson and gone through that study. I appreciate you going through that with us and sharing all the things that you had I have a trivia question for you, and I'm, you know, we talk about this from time to time, but I'm going to be nice to you and to the others who, well, I'm going to, I'm going to,
1: yeah, I'm going to try to be nice because. I am an elder. I mean, not in the church, but
0: I'm older than you. So you you need need to respect respect that. Yes. 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 We We are to stand before the gray head. That's right. According to the book of Leviticus. So I'm not going to stand.
1: Well, you can sit over there. That's okay. Okay. But be nice.
0: Yeah, my attitude will be standing. So <laughs> b- both of my questions are from the book of Judges. Ah, so, well, then, so is one of mine. So. Okay, I want to cool. give you that so you kind of position your mind here. Trivia, sweet trivia. Question number one, what was Jephthah's rash vow?
1: He promised God that if God would give him victory, that he would dedicate or sacrifice to God whatever first came out of the door of his house. And what came out? When well, he got bonus home, question? it wasn't his puppy. It was his daughter. <laughs> yeah, man. So now there's a big, a great discussion about that, which we don't really have time to get into. But yes, he made a careless vow there without really considering what, what could come out of my door first. Well, God gave him the victory, and to Jephthah's credit, he kept his vow to God. Yeah. yeah. And that's one reason why I think he's listed as one of the great faithful in Hebrews 11. Yes, sir. Uh,
0: whatever Jud- it it cost him, but he kept his vow. Judges 11 and verse 31 uh, is the rash, rash, rash vow of Jephthah.
1: Okay, here's, here's my judge's question. Uh, which judge... Gained a great victory by having his army whittled down from thirty-two thousand to three hundred. Which judge started out with thirty-two thousand men? Finally, was whittled down to three hundred.
0: Gideon. Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, Gideon is such a great guy. Yep, Judges seven, uh, verses one through eight. Awesome. All right, Uh, third question for everyone, second question for Kurt. In the book of Judges, Ehud is a judge. Uh, He stabbed the king of Moab in the stomach with a knife that he had made himself. Ehud was left-handed. What was the king of Moab's name? Oh, my.
1: Well, behind his back, they might have called him fatso. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because he was obese, in fact, Je- uh, Ehud couldn't pull his dagger back out because he plunged it so deeply. Uh, right. I I can't recall. You got me on this one.
0: Yeah, they're both uh, Ehud and the king are both. Their names both start with E. Does that help you at all? No. Eglon, okay. Eglon. Eglon and Ehud, Judges yeah. three twenty-one through twenty-four tells us that Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into Eglon's belly. Yeah.
1: There goes my gold star. Man. Oh well, I'll just have to try again. Okay, here's our last our last question and the last one for Danny. Uh, where is it? Where is this phrase written for us in the prophets? Wade in the balances
0: and found wanting oh man that phrase is found in the bible very good thank you i'll keep my gold star well it's
1: kind of silver now why uh it's in the bible which which specific book
0: (laughs) in the bible yeah man now i gotta pick one out of 66.
1: Well, I narrowed it down to the prophets for you.
0: Okay. Well, the good thing is, is this prophet shares my name. There
1: you go. Daniel. He's Danny. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was. <laughs> 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 yes. Daniel chapter five, verse 27, when at Belshazzar's uh, feast, uh, the handwriting on the wall,
0: weighed, weighed in the balances and found wanting. That's right. So we looked at Samson, and I think the best way for us to end this is, is the way we started. Um, there's a warning in the book of Proverbs. The king says to his sons, be careful with the immoral woman, uh, and, and, and goes into detail about how she uses her flattery of speech and, and, and with the lighting of the eyes. You know, she, she knows how to blink her eyes and bat her eyes at you to draw you in and to entice you, and her words are smooth as honey. In the conclusion of chapter 7, warning us about this woman, it says, Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. for She she cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Hmm. Do your very best as you go out through this week to remember that the things that entice us, the things that pull on our flesh— And on the carnal side of who we are, uh, are trying to draw us away from all that God wants us to be. And, And we've got to notice those things as quickly as we can to abhor all forms of evil. And to do our very best to withdraw from them and have no part with evil. Because it keeps us away from Almighty God. And it's not His desire and it certainly shouldn't be ours. So as you go out through this week, as we often encourage you, be faithful, be strong, stand up in the Lord and in the power of His might. Do all that you can to glorify His name.
1: Amen.